Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey, you total winners. This week's hoovering is all about eating in the most productive way possible, by which I don't mean how to give yourself the shits. I mean how to keep your energy and focus maximised through what you eat and drink, what you scoff and guzzle, because I'm talking to an expert in productivity, a man called Graham Olcott. First, though, I've got some giant announcements. Uh, The first one is that the next live show, which I've already told you about loads, it's in Canterbury on the 18th of July, has got the most awesome guests that I can tell you about now, none other than Dynamo, Jenny Eclair, I know, get in, and also brilliant comedian and actor currently knocking it out of the park in Coronation Street called Naomi Cooper Davis. And then uh, we've got two shows at the Edinburgh Festival on the 13th and 14th of August, and then it's officially been announced now in the autumn, Hoovering is doing a proper tour. Get in! going all over the place first dates have gone on sale oh actually they go on sale on monday monday the 8th of july um snap them up please go to livenation.co.uk to get involved also if you want discount tickets to those live shows um and you've got a few spare pounds a month um why not think about becoming my patron go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod that's patreon P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can see all the sorts of things I swap on there for your money. And if money isn't an option, um, please then just tell people about the podcast and thank yourself from me for listening at all. Um, I'm I'm grateful just to have you here. Uh, Oh, I hope you can come to some live shows, though. They're so much fun. Right, that's enough rambling bloody admin, innit, from me. Let's focus our energies now 
and have a podcast. Graham and I, by way of quick warning, um, do talk analytically about diets and diet culture. If you're someone who needs to avoid those conversations entirely, um, then it is in there. Be warned. Um, but it mainly, as ever, despite the fact that Graham is clearly a sensible and cl- clever grown up, this is just as fun as it normally is. We're in the beautiful room that you've hired in Platform 9 in Brighton, looking at the sea, looking at the wind farms and the sea, mm. and Brighton, rooftops, eating lunch from Idea. You were saying it's a bit of a um, Brighton institution idea. It's a Brighton institution. It's also, um, for me, a place with a lot of emotional resonance as oh, well. really? Because um, I, I started my business... I actually started my business in London about 10 years ago when I lived in London and then and then very shortly after start, starting it moved to Brighton right. and I was renting a desk and then renting a couple of desks from a friend of mine who had an office just around the corner from Idea. So Idea was where I went for every lunch where I was in the office. Um, I'd nip out from the office, go and get lunch from Idea and either eat it in there or go back to my desk every year for about three years. Like I, I'm just so religious about my love for Idea. <laughs> um, and so now, because I don't go there very much, um, I mainly work from home the other side of town and then when, when I am in the office, it's somewhere else as well. Yeah. But then when I go back there, it yeah. just sort of takes me back to this time in my life where I was kind of building a business and Aww. you know where it's like the whole the whole journey is in the front be- of you and you're kind beginning. of wide-eyed and don't really quite know what's going to happen and you're sort of flying by the seat of your pants oh i love um, it also i think it's a real um it's a real sign of success if you have nostalgic views of the, <laughs> the early days the early of things you know, I, I do though because like i <laughs> don't know true. if you're like i don't know <laughs> in comedy if you still if you look back at a gig that you used to have to do when you were brand new and think yeah, oh god yeah, it's yeah. probably because it was you're still having to do it. Well, they say there's some figures about 90% of businesses fail in the first three years. Really? Yeah, it's like really high. It should be high enough to put anybody off ever <laughs> starting a business. But I never really thought about it at the time. I was never... I think I was always... And maybe this is part of the entrepreneur makeup thing. Yeah. I was always pretty blasé about it. Like, oh, of course, all the other ones fail, but I'll be fine. You know, like, you kind of have to. You just have to that have will that be belief. part of why yeah. it's successful. Yeah. Is that kind of um, what's it called? Um, fake it till you make it. Yeah. So I definitely had that sort of blind belief, which was, you know, you could also call it naivety, actually, as well. <laughs> um, but having got, so my business just turned ten a couple yeah. of months ago. And having got to ten. It's probably the first time where I looked back on it and thought, oh, that's that's pretty good. I don't think I'm very good at um, celebrating successes. As you go I don't on. really do... You know, like a lot of um, businesses will do, we're having a party to celebrate our seventh birthday. So I never did any of that. I've it never entered... It's like an extra thing to organise, yeah, though, doesn't it, as I've well? I've never yeah. entered the business into a single award. Mm. I just, you know, it just leaves me cold and I've just never really thought about it in a kind of reflect on success kind of way and then having got 10 years in I was like oh that's a decade that's that just feels like a big have a chunk party. of life give so, yourself uh, a prize so we did we did a little 10 year party good for you um, invited some of our clients and colleagues and people like that along and yeah excellent yeah oh god I can imagine that it's weird in comedy because you don't I celebrate the podcast it's a thing and it doesn't feel as gross as celebrating yourself but as a comedian (laughs) you're just one person you're Mm. a bit but I remember being really like it's a year since my first gig and uh and you have to go yay me (laughs) no one really wants to go for a beer for that what do you think of your lunch this is bloody delicious I've got some hot sauce on it which is mind blowing I have as well and mine is um it's definitely attacking my tongue yeah. in, a, in a good way. 
It's smoky, yeah. isn't it? It's a uh, oh, it's lush. It's really like, nice. Maybe chipotle. Do you think it's that? Yeah, I think it's a, a spicy chili sauce. Is the one I got. It might be different. Maybe. From uh, but yeah, I've got the um, chili bean enchilada, which is mm. a a big kind of idea uh, staple favorite. They have it on the menu in idea most days, and then a lot okay. of the other stuff changes. Oh, I um, see. Yeah, so it's one of those ones you can always get a chili bean enchilada. Nice. Uh, and then I always have it topped with seeds as well. I just think it's nice to have a little extra te- texture on there and some kale and other things that are probably very Brightonian as well. It's so Brightonian. <laughs> kale and it's maximum Brighton, I think, yeah. this idea place, but it is so good. And vegan lasagna and all that stuff. Yeah, I've got vegan lasagna with... Because um, you basically get a main and then you get to pick two sides from loads of really fit sides and then you get two dips. And so I've got vegan lasagna with... Uh, oh, God, I, I think it was a tomato and broccoli salad... And um, and I think I got some like shredded cabbage thing. It's all really nice with some seeds and some hot sauce. I'm in heaven. This is like my mm. dream lunch. Is nice. this a lunch? I should say for context. Oh, I want to get straight into the book. Okay. But I'm supposed to ask what the best and worst things you've eaten recently were. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, there's a place I go to quite a lot in Brighton called Planet India, mm. which is. Again, quite a Brighton institution yeah. and very... So it's completely vegetarian. Lush. Um, it's run by this amazing Indian couple who, on the side outside, they have um, real homemade food made by real homemade Indians. <laughs> oh. uh, it's really sweet. And they do, like, a like a black lentil curry in there, which is just, like, oh the fem- most phenomenal thing. I had a that dal for- or a curry? It's a curry, so it's, like, oh black lentils. And then um, you used to be able to get... So they've got one in Hove, which is the one I was in, yeah. where you have to just have one curry. But the one in Brighton, I think, still does this, or you certainly used to, it, they would do it half-half. So you have, mm. like, that as half the curry, which is really hot and spicy. And then you have the other half, you sort of order something that's a bit less spicy. And, then you, get to, and you literally have two curries on the plate. Why do they make you just have one in Hove? I don't know. <laughs> like, I just, Everybody was do doing Do you do that. the half-and-half half thing? And they were like, no, we don't do that. There anymore. was a pub in Brighton. Um, this was years ago, but... Um, God, it's pink and it's by the sea, the pub. It's called the Lobster and something else. Oh, the Lion and Lobster. Yeah. Yep. You can get half and half roasts. No way. It was back when I ate meat all the time. What, so you don't like half, half roast beef, pork and half, half chicken? Oh, wow. Yeah. Incredible. I thought I that could be for people who are half vegetarian and half not. You get half the nut roast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could do that. Why not? And then you're being sort of half friendly. Are you vegetarian? Mm. I'm vegetarian. I do eat a bit of fish, mm. um, but I've been vegetarian for... Um, yeah, probably about eight years or something. Okay, amazing. And for me, it was more um, the the sort of carbon aspect of, uh-huh. of food rather than like animals. Like, same. Yeah. I'm exactly the same. Animals are all right. I like them and everything, but it just it, it wasn't the motivation mm. for me. Um, I love animals so much, but they are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> and I feel like it's just got easier and easier. Mm. It just feels like um, veganism is really on the rise at the moment and just like wherever you go it used to be that I'd leave Brighton or certainly Brighton or London and that kind of little bubble and you go somewhere else I'm from rugby originally in the Midlands right. and um, you go somewhere like that and it's like no one have, had, would have any veggie options let alone vegan options and it really feels like that's really changed it would be so years. heartbreaking wouldn't it, it uh, even a few years ago I remember going to a gig in, in, the, in the countryside of near Cambridge in the Cambridgeshire countryside and a really posh pub that obviously was like quite sort of gastro foodie, um, and the only thing they had 
that was, I asked if they had anything they could convert and make it vegan. She was like, I'll go and ask the chef. And I could hear, I heard the chef swear. <laughs> and then she came back and was like, it's just this salad, but he'll bulk it out and turn it into a proper meal. And it was, it just said tomato, um, heritage tomato salad <laughs> with pink Himalayan salt. I was like, okay. And it came out and it was just four slices of raw tomato with um, <laughs> some salt on them. And maybe like four um, talons of rocket. And I it wonder was, if like... And it was 12 quid. Oh. It was <laughs> incredible. That is a thing that I have actually as someone who always picks the, the veggie options on a menu is, you know when you go into a restaurant and it's like the beef will be... Twelve pounds or something, and the meat will be eleven pounds, and then the salad will be nine pound fifty. You like kiss and my I'm, face, and something about my sense of injustice <laughs> around money is just like I can't pay that for what is basically some leaves versus yeah. someone else has had to rear an animal and then kill an animal. And that, yeah, and you just know that meat is way more expensive than lettuce, right? So of course, it just it and if it is kind it of bugs be. me for years how the veggie option is nearly the same price as the meat. It's just so it's funny, isn't it? Because it, I I feel the same if I um uh, I'm, my head is so in your book that if I opt for a non-alcoholic option in a pub and it's just as expensive, mm. I'm furious. But actually, it's, exactly it's just a moral tax, really, isn't it? I suppose booze yeah. is taxed and stuff. Booze is really heavily taxed. I don't yeah. know exactly what like what percentage, but if you think we say say if it was like fifty percent that was taxed, mm. it should be at least fifty percent less, shouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Bonkers. Um, so for context, the book I keep going on about. Graham's co-written um, called Work Fuel and it's all about eating in the most productive way possible. Is that about right? Yeah. Um, so, and when we say eating in the most productive way possible, it's about how to eat to how have to the, best, the best energy possible yeah. um, to fuel your day, whether that be a work day and also just for general kind of sense of happiness and well-being and yes. all of that stuff. So eating to be able to, with a focus on having the best energy that you can have from that. Brilliant. And broccoli's in it as a superfood, so I'm just carving some up now. <laughs> as you um, eat the broccoli. Yeah, mind you, it doesn't use language like superfood, and I loved <laughs> it for not using language like superfood, because food's food. Um, yeah, and you co-wrote it with a nutritional scientist called Colette Hannigan. Was that it right? Hennigan. Hennigan. And um, I've had a read, and I'm fascinated. There's loads of stuff in it that I'm dead keen to try. Um, and I've got loads of questions off the back of it, but... Um, I looked at it and I thought, well, I do get tired sometimes in the afternoon. But in my head, I've always thought, um, that's just because I get up early and go to bed late because of being a parent and working in the <laughs> night a lot. Um, and, and sometimes I don't get eight hours sleep. It, mm. Is there, would you say, so, I mean, actually, for context, I should say as well, you're basically like a productivity guru. <laughs> That's what you do. You make businesses more productive and you make people more focused and more productive and stuff. That's so amazing. But um, I wonder whether, isn't it just being a human being to have a dip at some point in the day if your day is that long and that busy? Um, and if eating in a certain way can help increase your focus and energy, which obviously it can, can it, can it cure that dip always? Well, okay. So I'll start with, I'll start with the origin story of the book because I think it answers yeah. the question. Um, so... I so for the past 10 years the business I was talking about before is called Think Productive and we go into businesses and we basically teach people how to how to think in the best possible way uh, in businesses how to organize all the stuff you've got going on how to not feel overwhelmed how to feel under control and 
we have a kind of set of principles and systems that I've been following myself over the last few years. Um, obviously, because like it's my thing, and I you mm-hmm. know, have to have to walk my own talk, of course. Um, and yeah, is that it, hard? Uh, it's a massive rod for my own back all yeah. the time. Right? Because I would so, be, yeah. I, I don't think I, in the same way I shy away in my stand-up show I'm doing at the moment about being a social justice warrior because it's like mm, every now and again I want to, yeah, I want to be able to go. No, I, I thought the wrong thing. I did the wrong thing, and it's yeah, fine. Yeah. And you know, most people are sort of massive hypocrites. Yes, um, exactly. I saw there was a great thing the other day, which was um, <laughs> Andrew Marr was interviewing Sean Berry, the leader of the Green Party, the mm-hmm. Green Party. And one of his first questions was like, when did you last take a flight? And he thought, he was going, ah, oh, hypocrite, catch you out. And she just goes, 2005? Wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah, shut that one down. Yeah. But I think, you know, most of us mm-hmm. in lots of parts of our life, we are, yeah. you know, massive hypocrites and yeah. um, we have biases and all these things. But, um, you know, in general terms, I've, I've been adopting and using the principles in Productivity Ninja, which is like the right. first book, um, pretty solidly. And... And I feel like I'm way more productive now than I was before I was, you know, using and sort of developing and compiling all those techniques all those years ago. And so I feel like I'm pretty good on the productivity thing. And we have a thing in Productivity Ninja, which is uh, everyone's a human, not a superhero. So uh, to get when you get all that stuff done in the right kind of way, you can look like a superhero, but you're just a human with really good habits and really good skills around this yeah. stuff. Um, and that allows you to then fail because it's like, well, humans screw up sometimes, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's not about trying to be perfect. It's not trying to think that you're sort of some kind of superhuman. Um, but still, even using all this productivity stuff, I was getting dips, you yeah. know, sort of three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I'd have days where I really didn't feel that great. And I had a period of time Um, where I actually had full-on depression. Mm -hmm. So I was on, you know, happy pills and and all that stuff and, you know, days where I wouldn't be able to get out of bed and all this kind of stuff. And that was really the, uh, I guess, the kind of origin story of the book was me then uh, contacting Colette, who I've met a few times before because she'd been working in companies as well doing nutrition stuff and wellness stuff. And often those two topics of wellness and productivity get put together by companies when they do these kind of wellness days. And we did one um, for a big telecoms company where we, you know, we kind of um, heard each other talk and be like, oh, this is really good. And we just kind of kept in touch after that. And so when I was trying to come off the antidepression meds, yeah, um, I got in touch with Colette and said, right, help me. What do I need to do with my eating yeah, yeah. that's going to really just fire my energy? Um, and that's how it started. So the, the start of the process was me and Colette having a a WhatsApp um, chat channel yeah. and every time I ate something I took a photo of it sent it to Colette God um, I hate that yeah right yeah. <laughs> so it does a few things to your brain the first thing it does is it makes you really mindful of yeah. what you're eating so like when I'm sending her the third, the picture of the third glass of wine it's a bit like you know and whatever <laughs> Um, and was your was her feedback constant all through that? And no, did you not find constant. okay, good. Yeah, not and every single f- thing. But did you find there was shame though on some things? Ugh. Yeah, there was a bit of like, <laughs> there was a few meals where I'd send. And you must have lied at least once. Uh, there was probably some times where I didn't send her the fourth glass. Yeah. This is really But on a, in terms of meals, I would literally like here's a whisper bar that I'm having now. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'd send yeah, her all the stuff yeah. that I knew that she would comment, and I'd feel yeah. a little bit of shame about. Um, but actually, I mean, Colette's a really great coach, and it's right, what she does. Course, so yeah, a lot yeah. of what she's doing is sending you back the high fives or sending you back 
okay, that's cool. What you're reading is fine. But if you upgrade it to this, or if you yeah. do, so it's almost like the little tweaks that you can do that don't actually take a huge amount of extra effort, but yeah, just yeah. adding something else in or changing, you know, flipping out just having white rice for having brown rice or brown rice for having rice there. and quinoa, whatever the thing is, yeah. but just like, here's how you can make it slightly better, you know? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. that was the start of the book, actually, was just like that. Um, I had those kind of energy lulls and slumps, and it's like, how can we make that better? So I honestly don't remember the last time I had a huge dip in energy. Really? Apart from this weekend, I just had a very heavy weekend. Yeah. I feel like to put in at this point though that this it's not a diet the book's got nothing to do with diets and it's quite straight up about that it's not prescriptive mm. and it's not even though perhaps a one-to-one -one relationship with a nutritional advisor or scientist might end up being like that I found so I've done some work with a therapist or CBT in terms of recovery from and an ongoing project <laughs> of myself, but recovery specifically for for some binge eating disorder um, and other sort of flirtations with eating disorders. I'm on a spectrum of all those things, or have been. And um, it was I found the book I think especially interesting looking at the ways in, some of the ways in which it it was similar to the work that she would have done, and some of the ways in which it mm. wasn't as well. Um, um, but just to get into the sort of like practicalities of the book, um, I want to talk about the importance of not skipping meals because I think that's huge in the book. And also, um, but that was one of my therapist's first interventions was to make make me eat something um, every couple of hours so that you weren't like getting starving. Mm. Um, and I think part of um, my issue and I think a lot of people's issues who get into cycles of um, dieting and diet culture is that you have you'll you'll restrict for long long patches of time and or sometimes you can do that via uh, distracting yourself with work um, and then and then by the time you do it you're so hungry that it's impossible to be tuned into what you're eating and enjoying it as it's happening um, but the government looks set to make snacks illegal, uh, pretty much, don't they? They're, 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 there's a campaign at the moment that's like, stop giving your kids snacks. Mm. If you do, it's got to be under 100 calories. And it's all counting, it's all numbers, and it's all weighing again. To me, that just feels completely d misguided. Well, did you watch that thing years ago about... Um, it was a couple of years ago, and I'm pretty sure it was um, Dominic Sandbrook, you know, the BBC documentary guy, and he was doing a thing about um, how the food industry have changed the way that we eat. And one of the wow. things was in the late 70s and early 80s, mm -hmm. they reached a point with packaged food where the profits just kind of flatlined oh, and they sure. weren't growing, you know, and companies have to grow to please their shareholders. Yeah. And so what they decided was, we'll market all these sort of chocolate bars and crisps and whatever as deliberately as snacks rather than something that goes with lunch or with another meal right and so the marketing the one that really sticks is like the milky way advert where it's like the snack that you can that your kids can eat between meals without ruining their appetite and that one they've pretended is super healthy by putting right. milky yeah, in the title and, and telling everybody that everybody needs those of milk and so i just find that really interesting because when you grow up and that's just what you've always known you just think it's always been like that but yeah. actually in a, you know a few years only a few years before that was my childhood yeah that didn't really exist you know so that's Shit. pretty crazy and the fact that it wasn't necessarily just unbridled targeting at kids. Yeah, yeah. But it's just unfettered capitalism, isn't it, ultimately, that? Yeah, massively. Um, and there's some stuff in the book, actually, that, you know, we talk about don't eat food with its own jingle. Yeah, anything um, that's 
needs has had a pretty hard sell on it. Yeah. So you know, no no carrot needs a marketing campaign because you just eat carrots and you just go, oh, that just tastes like it's going to be good for me. It tastes like it's a good thing. Yeah. And you know, but also some of the sweet stuff doesn't need a marketing campaign. To be honest, once you've tried <laughs> yeah. it, you know it exists. That's true. I don't really know why they're going to so much effort, but it's greed is why they're going to so much effort mm, because yeah, they yeah. can't, like yeah, you say, yeah. once profits flatline, they'll find a new way of making you think it's something. At the moment, I think the um, it looks like the spin that lots of uh, big known brand chocolate bars are doing is saying it's the protein version. Mm, and a while yeah, before, yeah. I noticed a few years ago what they would do is say, um, it's when energy drinks first started going mad and and now, you know, teenagers, mm. teenagers are bonkers for them. And they're just so much sugar. It's just sugar and caffeine. It's so fucked up. <laughs> I think the so caffeine is almost worse society than the sugar, though. Right. Do you? Yeah. In terms of society, right? Um, right. So I had a, we had a person working with our company for a while who was, uh, I think he was eighteen. Yeah. And he was doing like an apprenticeship thing, and he didn't think anything of having two large cans of Monster. You know, like yeah. so he'd bring two into the office in the morning. He'd have one straight away. He'd have one even the second one he'd have before lunch. You know, so fucking but hell. He'd be sitting at his desk, and his knee would be bouncing like this. You know, and he. And you could actually see him physically shaking. And you think, mm. if you've got a whole generation of kids who are yeah. going around that pumped up and whatever, I just think it's really... Um, I, think it's, I think it's as damaging as the sugar aspect as well. It's got to be, yeah. hasn't it? Also, coffee itself is really addictive, isn't it? Mm. So I, do you not drink coffee at all anymore? I, I, I gave up coffee a long time ago, right. a long time before I went through all this mm-hmm. with the book. Um, but mainly because I... I can. I, I'm a massive tea fiend. Right, right. Um, I'll pr- if I'm working from home and I'm writing or I'm kind of heads down in work like that. Yeah. Like ten or eleven cups of tea is not. That's not unusual. Really, for me. Like just I'm, builders. Just builders tea, and then what I've started to do more recently is because even though the caffeine didn't really seem to affect me. Yeah. During the day, it would have. So I don't feel like really kind of tense yeah, or whatever. Or so, uh, yeah. But it would definitely affect my sleep, right. and I would feel guilty about having that much caffeine. So I just I've switched to Yorkshire decaf tea, oh, okay. which is almost as good as Yorkshire tea, okay, which is fine. the best tea. And right. So that's allowed me to have as many cups of tea as I want, completely guilt free. Because I, really nice. I tea wise got such a cretinous palate. I've never been able to tell the difference between decaf, but coffee mm. I can, yeah. and I love the yeah. taste of coffee. So I don't want to not have it in my life. Mm. But I just have to try. Have one at breakfast and then not again. Yeah, and, and but I still use it. I still feel like yeah. I use it. So if I am, if I've been working all through, I find the hardest days for me to stay productive, regardless of what I've eaten. Although now I am gonna try and learn from the book. <laughs> um, but if I've got a writing job in a writer's room for yeah. a day, or at home, I should say, uh, which is where you get a set amount of work and a deadline, and it's got to be funny. So you have to have this. You, it, it's not like admin, <clears throat> as you know. Like you have to like crack into a, a very positive, creative, mm. almost primal mindset, and it's in included in that is that confidence you were talking about earlier, where you have to kind of you have to set yourself to a thing where everything you write, you have to be able to laugh at your own jokes. You have to be ready mm. to be really confident in what you're putting out. And then as the last thing you do in the day, you can just flick out all the stuff that's, you know, you know it was shit as you were doing it, but and just send off the best 
but you have to get that stuff done in a day. Right. I love working like mm. that. I feel like it's as close as I will ever get in my work to having a bye-bye, sell-sell kind of job. <laughs> because it's really adrenaline-y. It's, I find it as adrenaline And it's like the pressure, the deadline yeah. is just moving all day. I find it as, as nerve-wracking as before any mm. live performance. But then to then go on and do a live gig... Um, so you'd have a day where you did the writer's room all day and yeah, then you go and, and then do... go on and do a gig. Yeah. Something good has got to happen in that. Yeah. And I quite often will go for a coffee because it feels like a healthier option than having a pint. <laughs> <laughs> or like, do you know what I mean? Or, or, or trying to read or do something yeah. else that's going to feel like taxing. Yeah. It's probably a terrible thing to do, is it, to have a coffee then? Um, well, I mean, you're working hours that are not like conventional, right? Yeah. So your wind down would be later anyway. Like, I mean, yeah. do you sleep? Like, after you do a gig like that, um, can you go straight to sleep or are you full of adrenaline for four hours and um, I can usually it's got much better I need a cup I need a good hour I couldn't just go straight to sleep mm. um, sometimes post gig there's straight away a crash like what a mm. quite a real and you can you you watch and can feel how quickly people want to do an emotional numbing thing straight after that a gig, even if you've had an absolute belter, mm. the that the first pint of beer that you drink after your first hour show in Edinburgh yeah. every year is the most delicious pint of mm. beer. Yeah. It's the, the relief and the wind down, and it's all just a it's all just emotioning and d- numbing an emotional spike. I mean, mm. I'm aware that's what it is, but it just feels nice to do that <laughs> sometimes. But you can't get into the habit of doing yeah, it every night. Sure. So um, no. I, but there is some come down to happen before and I the one thing I can't go straight to sleep after and takes hours for me to sleep after is if I've driven if I drive to a gig and home so mm. I drove back from my preview in Brighton last night and I knew I'd have to sit in bed and read for an hour and a half before I'd be able to nod off yeah I, was, I don't drive very much and so when I do mm. I'm doing sort of long drives up to the Midlands and back yeah yeah and I tend to do it quite late yeah that's always the time where yeah, I'm exactly the same. Need a glass of wine or something yeah. to just sort of Uncrumble. Lull, me, lull me back into Also, um, I mean, this is probably going to get me some phone calls made to social services, but <laughs> towards the very end of pregnancy, I found that I'd need a tiny glass of wine to sleep at all. Mm. So I found my insomnia was awful then. But hey-ho. Um, just, talk, <laughs> just bragging about how unproductive my eating is. <laughs> Mmm, delicious. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's lots of stuff in the book about like great fats and how some people still cling to the idea that fat is a bad thing. Yeah, because yeah, of that was drilled yeah. into us, obviously, by politicians and doctors and, and nutritionists um, for decades who really, really, really thought that sugar was fine and, and fat was terrible. Um, and now we know that's not the case. But do you ever just crap yourself that the stuff we think we definitely know now is going to be proved wrong in 50 years? Well, I don't necessarily think... That's something that we should ever crap ourselves about. Okay. I think the, the fact is we, we, like, this is the beautiful thing about science, isn't mm. it? We, so Colette's, if you read the back of the Workfield yeah. book, there's just hundreds and hundreds of references mm. to, to all of, you know, Colette's research and mm. stuff that she's dug out and stuff. So I was very confident going into doing the book that we would have the absolute best of yeah. the current science about food. And but I just feel like food's one will of the worlds. Right? Yeah, it will change. one of those worlds where the science about it is changing constantly. Yeah, although what I would come back to there is you were saying about um, the doctors believe this and mm. scientists believe that. A lot of those scientists have at points been funded by the food industry as well, right? right? So when it's the difference mm-hmm. between you know polyunsaturated fats and monosaturated fats and all these kind of things. Yeah. Often some of those agendas are kind of driven by the food industry trying yeah. to sort of push particular diet products on you or different things mm-hmm. on you, and all of that. So I think you know a lot of it is just trying to get to objective standards. The other thing is um, the NHS advice um, that comes from the dietitian part of the NHS yeah. is often not about what what's going to give you the best ability to thrive as a human being and have the best energy as a human being yeah the nhs advice is about how to stop you getting cancer yeah how to keep you out of a and e you know mm. and how to how to basically keep you out of uh, out of the nhs as much and as diabetes, possible and diabetes and yeah and stop yeah. you getting obese or diabetes or whatever so often those those things are quite limited in the way like yeah almost like it's it's a weird thing to say but not all science is the same. You've always got to look at where that science is coming from, who's funding it, what's going on behind the scenes there. It's not a weird thing to say, but it's a very wise thing to say. Well, but it feels like it's one step away from saying fake news, right? Well, <laughs> it might be, but I think people's blind know, trust in science I, I read a, uh, like a magazine newspaper called The Week, because mm. it sort of rounds up very international news for the week, and there's a What the Scientists Are Saying page, which is always in my favourite, if not my favourite page, every week. Um, and it is the only things that seem sort of consistent are sort of climate things and and you know stuff to do with wildlife. Whereas yeah. the food stuff that's in there and the health stuff that's in there is like, what? Last week yeah, you told yeah, me yeah. to do that, and now this study's saying not to do it. But it's all it's all just because we've got so much to learn, I suppose. The other one is um, the five two diet. So actually, we talked mm. about fasting a minute ago. Um, and I watched the TV show of the 5-2 diet and thought, oh, this looks like a good thing the to do. The one where they said it can prevent ageing and it Yeah, had you know, it'll help. And there's, there's some logic to that in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, if you really kind of fire up your metabolism by keeping it on its toes a little bit, then yeah. that's going to help you to, you know, to live more healthily and stuff. But when I t- talked to Colette about it, when we were doing the book, she said, yeah, but the sample size of that science is so low. That, yeah. Like, yes, they've drawn that conclusion, but from such a small number of people that you can't really take that seriously. So yeah, yeah, yeah. even within stuff that's scientifically backed, you've got to kind of look a bit deeper than that. And has it been properly peer reviewed? And, and a lot of that stuff around fasting is so new yeah. as an area that actually we don't really know. Um, one thing that we talk about in the book is that a great way to think about fasting 
And actually a much more painless way to think about fasting yeah. is fasting 12 hours a day, right? So mm. having your dinner in the evening at roughly the same time that you then have your breakfast in the morning, so at 7 p.m., 7 a.m., whatever that might be. Yeah, and that just good. allows your, your body to have 12 hours of having a bit of rest, basically. Yeah. Um, digestion is a very energy-intensive process itself on the body, and yeah. it's difficult for the gut if you're constantly always having to digest something. So yeah. having that little break and, you know, letting your body just kind of get into that more relaxed mode is actually a really good way of thinking about fasting yeah. as well. Yeah, it is. And I think also, oh God, I mean, as much as whenever anything like that comes out and, and it because of the, um, there was something, there was some hormone or something that that, that 5-2 diet in that tiny sample shut down that meant to do with slowing aging or something like that so it was managed whenever something comes out like that and it manages to sell itself as not being about weight loss a lot of people will then piggyback onto it for weight loss and mm, you say really beautifully yeah, in the yeah. book at the end look you might this book is to increase potentially increase your focus and your energy um, but you have to be honest with yourself about what your motivations for yeah. maybe trying this yeah. potentially prescriptive method of eating um, on board is are you really trying to do something else if so fine but be aware of it like I thought that was very very cool of you and I my fears with things like 5-2 are when people just jump on it and actually for people with any propensity towards disordered eating another example a very very stark example of restricting followed generally by some binging it's just not cool yeah, um, yeah. even if you even if it gets to the point where it is, they do a study on half the population of the world and they're like, yeah, physically that will do this, this and this. It's just people's mental health. Mm, it's, yeah. I just don't think it's ideal for it, but that's just uh, probably a very biased opinion. Let's talk about, um, oh, the book mentions sugar addiction. And I wondered whether you thought that addiction was the, if it, if, can you be addicted to sugar? Is it just a compulsion? Or does this come down to philosophy about what actually counts as addiction? And not science. Well, I'll, this might be where I have a bias as mm. well. Um, so I grew up um, where my dad, at quite a young age, maybe early thirties, was diagnosed with type two diabetes. Right. And, and is type two the one where lifestyle? Uh, he, or yeah, it's lifestyle, and for him, the lifestyle was far too many cans of coke. That right. was like his weakness, basically. And I've I've watched him continue to eat sugar despite having type 2 diabetes <laughs> for most of my life, right? Um, so certainly since I was about, you know, I was probably about eight or nine when he yeah. got, diagnosed, got diagnosed with that. So there was one day I was in, I was in my parents' front room and they just had lunch and there was this kind of slightly, uh, it, it was a kind of unsaid sort of tense standoff going on between my dad who was saying I really want to have some kind of dessert and my mum basically saying oh I don't think you should really have that and it was it was all in what wasn't being said and it was quite sort of tense and then in the end my mum sort of appeased my dad by giving him something a bit smaller like a custard tart or something rather than yeah. the bigger thing that he wanted or whatever and it was just in this one moment where I was just like oh, this is addiction behaviour, right? Right. And, and she's the appeaser of the addiction, right? Yeah. And so I've kind of, kind of from that moment, that was probably, you know, eight years ago or something, yeah. I've always thought about it in that sort of way. I think I probably have similar traits to that myself. So one of the things in the book is about um, don't use up your willpower at home. Mm. Um, and what that's about is, you know, if you walk past the aisle where the chocolate is in the supermarket 
and you don't take it home, then you don't have to mentally keep avoiding having sugar or like avoiding that craving or whatever. And I, I can't, I, I, I feel like people who have a big bar of chocolate in their house and then they can make that last for three weeks. It's just psychopath behavior, isn't it? Like, Do you? Yeah. I, oh, I well, feel, actually, you know what? That's what I feel like it's... I have a chocolate bar in the house and it's like, it's talking to me and I have to eat it. Like, really? Straight away. So I, That's one of the bits where, and perhaps it's just a completely, I don't know, that's one of the bits where it jarred <laughs> from what what I've, my experience of, of, of a therapist intervention on and recovery from disordered eating is mm. quite the opposite of that like and I wanted to talk about that idea of willpower and stuff because I understand you in the book it's at the very end it's described and in such beautiful terms and in terms of um various people's theories and how it breaks down into turning uh, something conscious into something unconscious something, oh, right. something yeah, that's yeah. an effort into yeah. something that's habitual yeah. which is ultimately what we all it, we, if we want better habits if you want to have you know in this instance increased focus and energy through what you're eating then you have to to change how you behave to create a better habit but I, for me the, just the language of willpower is so associated with you know, Weight Watchers or something, mm, or any diet, yeah, or any right. diet that a doctor gives you, where it's like, well, it's just willpower. And people, the way people talk about fat people, as in they just haven't got any willpower, and it's like, no, yeah. that's not a. I, I'm caught up a first bit, and and weirdly, one of the first things um, that some people are asked to do when they're told to tr- in, in towards a journey of a better, more intuitive relationship with eating is to do the opposite. Is if they're flush enough to go to the supermarket. And buy everything that they look at and would be tempted by. Mm. Get all of it. Fill your house with it. Fill every cupboard with it. And then actually, the fact that it's so there, and you could have it whenever you want, and that's how you take all the emotion out of it. You really? go, I can have that whenever yeah. I want. And I've, I've, um, so I've spoken to someone reward. else on the podcast. No, it's yeah. not a reward. You take that reward yeah. or punishment thing out of it. You take all the emotion out of it. You mm. take all the shame out of it. You can have it when you want. And you trust yourself to make a choice and not to kill yourself beat yourself up I should say that was too strong but not to berate yourself if you choose an unhealthy thing sometimes and that's fine but it's a completely different thing if you don't trust yourself because you think there's probably some addiction in there to the sugar in it but I the second layer of it for me would be if I went right I'm never having anything like that in my house I don't want my kid to think that's something he can never have and it's a restricted thing and I'm quite paranoid about giving him this because I try I try and cook for him as much as possible and really, I really care about what's going in him but I try to purposely loosen really loosen the screws on that because I don't want to be that parent that only ever let him go to Whole Foods and not have the chocolate yeah and it's because you know, I think it, makes, it can I mean, make you obsess the other way so kid, my philosophy on that is kids rebel against yeah. whatever you do so if you're just Whole Foods all the way then yeah. they're going to rebel with all the things that you don't want to have anyway yeah. but come back to the willpower thing so um, one of the bits of science around willpower which you talk about in the book is a psychologist called Roy Baumeister has done yeah. lots of experiments and what he's found is that um, willpower is a depleting resource so yeah. as you go through the day you make lots of decisions um, you know maybe those are work decisions maybe those are choosing from the 50 toothbrushes that you can see on the supermarket shelf all of those are choices and decisions that you have to make and they all take a little bit of your energy away yeah. so whether that's to do with food or not you've got only a very, you know, you've got a limited number of those as you go through the day. 
And so, you know, if you've got someone who, you know, like if you're accusing someone who's overweight of not having enough willpower, well, yeah. what are they doing all day? Like, are they working in a job where a lot of their willpower is going on lots of other things, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's, I think it's too simplistic to say, oh, you just lack the willpower in yeah. those kind of circumstances. But I think um, when you start to see that as a, as a depleting resource, you can start to do what we then talk about in the book, which is like habit design. So rather than saying, I'm just going to decide to do this this new thing well you you have to go a bit further and say yeah. well actually how will i do it this is how i'm going to do it here's the things i'm going to do to support that rather than just say i'm going to deny myself something you yeah. almost have to like design the positive that goes in its place yes and that's kind of that for me was the big thing you know once i'd uh once i'd started eating the way colette was coaching me to eat yeah after a few weeks i started really craving the stuff that was really good for me yeah he says but, that in the book that you're just to crave what yeah. you're having and but before I that i was craving whisper bars at four o'clock because i was tired and <laughs> you know and actually if you i think you know sugar is an addictive thing yeah. in the sense that sure. what happens with your gut is that you feed bad bacteria in the gut through sugar, right? So the more of that you have, right. the more you want to have, because right, right. then you've got more yeah. bad bacteria than good in your gut, and your gut's just going, I need more of that. Where's the sugar, you know? And so there is a, yeah. you know, there is a thing to resist there, like very biologically, yeah. in how sugar works. Sure. <laughs> That's so fascinating. I think even if you go, right, I'm not going to have any of the nutritionally dearth, vort nutritionally vortex, but very addictive foods in my house. They're just everywhere. Adverts for everything, everywhere. I was yeah, talking about it with friends yesterday and he was saying, I saw an advert for that new Milky Bar Darker. Yeah. And I was like, I've seen that advert. Like, and I've probably seen it once when it's done yeah. with And he said, he looked at that and went, I'm going to try that. It didn't have to be now, but the feeling was quite like intense. Like, I am going to eat that. I'm going to eat that in my life. And I did, I, I, to be honest, I think I've already formed enough habit to not look at it and go, I want it now. I don't, it doesn't sort of factor like that. But I, it, I still look at it and go, hmm. But here's the nice thing about when you don't use up your willpower at home. Yeah. Is it means that when you're out. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of part of the don't use up your willpower at home yeah. rule is that when you're out, have the treat, right? Yeah. So it's not about saying never eat this stuff. Yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff in the book is like, you know, back to the human not superhero, like, you know, if you want a cake, have a cake. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And one of the other things in the book is consistency beats intensity. So if you're uh, going for either diets or lifestyles that are very extreme, mm. it takes an awful lot of willpower just to sustain that. So five well, especially two, especially people who are doing like fatty ones yeah. and trying one, losing weight, putting it back on, trying another, losing yeah, yeah. weight, putting it back on. That's a lot of people's whole lives. And there's loads of these things, you know, the, um, five to the ketosis diets, even yeah. down to the really bog standard, you know, Weight Watchers and um, Slimming World. My mum's done Slimming World before, and it, uh, your show you were talking about the the sins, and yeah. I was really laughing. But I didn't realise that they changed the spelling of sin to be with a Y yes. later. Right. Yeah. I just thought that was a clever conceit from no, like day one. Um, that's really funny. Yeah. But all of those things take up a huge amount of of sort of willpower and energy. And the brain energy, right? And you're having to focus on that. So no wonder they don't last because yeah. you have that sort of zeal of the new convert for two, three weeks. Yeah. And, you, and you get a bit of that. Apparently you get quite an endorphin rush. Yeah. Because it's like, look at me, I'm changing my life. Things. This is yeah. really great. Yeah. And then the novelty of that wears off. And then obviously, you know, you slip back to doing what you didn't want to do that you're doing before. And so actually just focusing on consistently eating well 
And don't, that doesn't have to be an intense thing to do, but what yeah. that means is every now and again, you can just have the things that you want, knowing that actually consistently I'm eating really well, I can now have the treats or the really unhealthy stuff or yeah. ovary or whatever it is, you know, six pints, whatever. Yeah. Um, as long as that's something that you're not doing every night, then it's, it's actually healthy for you. Like it's, yeah. it's fine to do that. And in the coconut as well, I think. Yeah, is my yeah. medical term for brains. Do you feel like we're quite lucky if you can afford it in terms of the healthiness of stuff out yeah. and about? Yeah. I mean, I know it, it's still processed, but we can get such amazing... I mean, just that idea there. I mean, that's ultra. They've cooked it there and it's not... Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That's the equivalent yeah. of cooking at home, right? Is that as good? It is has that, that morally home, good? home cooking then, sort of uh, yeah. like vibe to it. it but you're not a big fan of like... You know, if you're in Lyon or M&S or Pret, or like yeah. those places, you can get really good nutritious yeah. food in there. And, you know, I mean, it, yeah, it comes down to affordability. But if you're also someone who's like traveling around for work and that kind of thing, often those things are expensive and they're yeah. things that you can pick up along the way, you know. So I think sometimes, you know, that little bit of preparedness of thinking ahead, you know, what am I going to need through the day? And then yeah. as you're going through a station to get on the train always be thinking like is the next meal kind mm. of guaranteed and sorted or should I just pick something up to yeah. take with me right now um, Colette's really big on um, she'll travel on uh, planes with like like you know a little Tupperware thing of fruit and some nuts and avocados and stuff all like in her bag and yeah. then she'll have the she, sometimes she won't have the plain meal at all and sometimes she'll have it and then add loads of stuff in on top right. and I've started doing that as well now so I oh, wow. take an avocado put your own avocado and yeah, seeds yeah. on top of your salty plain meal so you, so you get I'm a secret pervert for salty plain food yeah so what I do with I the like plain food is I always order Hindu vegetarian okay um, or Asian vegetarian it's, it's one of those two yeah. always and the reason I do that is because you always get a really nice veggie curry. Fine. And I don't really like mushrooms. And often with the normal vegetarian one, the Western vegetarian one, that's what they give you is like a yeah. big mushroom. <laughs> so you always get like a good curry. Yeah. But I will now like whip out an avocado from my pocket and Colette's taught me how to cut it up with a credit card. So you nice. cut it down the middle. And I mean, I you know, you and look like... you get a bit of Stranger's cocaine on it as well. Yeah, you look Delicious. like a bit, a, a, a bit of a weirdo. Yeah. Doing <laughs> And like, you know, little bag of nuts and whatever. Very but actually cool. it means that I'm yeah. like sort of finishing that meal in kind of a healthy way. I'm just adding something to upgrade the meal rather than, you know, necessarily kind of worrying too much about it being salty or whatever. whatever. What about talking of planes and avocados? What about trying to tally this eating in a very holistic way that, you know, is very sort of wholesome and good for you and going to in, in, maximise your energy and focus with a really strong desire to do the best thing for the planet in terms of eating. Mm, because yeah. stuff like avocados, if you're going to try and do a variety of colours of food and a yeah. massive variety of plants in your life, it's amazing that we have access to this stuff. But, oh, how, I mean, the, I feel guilty that I feed my kid blueberries most days. Yeah. I know how they're yeah. full of great stuff and they're on your sort of short list of incredible, incredibly good for you foods, but you can't not fly them into the UK. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Are there any equivalents that wouldn't have had to travel so far? Well, or could I mean, have travelled by boat? So one of the things we've got in the book is the work fuel plate. And yeah. so it's like, here's, here's a sort of a description and a prescription of what most of your meals should look like. Right. So you've got 50% of the plate is rainbow plants. So including that would be things like tomatoes, blueberries, etc., yeah. etc. Um, and then you've got 25% protein and 25% smarter carbs. And we've got listed in there... The particular foods in those groups that are really good for you and why certain carbs are smarter carbs versus not smarter carbs, for example. But actually, if you look at a lot of those things, they are 
you know the avocados and the blueberries and things that do come from from overseas so like you i mean you can replace a lot of that nutritional value from blueberries in things like tomatoes oh right but the point is to have isn't that another nightshade food uh, something to do with nightshade what do you mean by that I thought peppers tomatoes aubergines and blueberries oh, right, because yeah, of their yeah, colour yeah. were all like of a particular they've got sort of good toxins yeah. in or something this is know. where Colette would know right. the exact sorry yeah, sorry, 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 sorry um, Colette sorry about that that's <laughs> she, alright she's, she's busy having a baby right oh, now oh is she yeah. right now yeah, yeah, oh uh, congratulations Colette she's due at the end of this week so. oh cripes first one mm. oh that's so exciting first Colette one. So it's been quite an interesting thing where we've launched this book. Yeah. And then we did the book launch in, in London about three or four weeks ago and she's already, you know, super yeah. big. And everyone's like, oh, can we, can you come and work with us? And we're just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk in a few months. Like, so yeah. we're going to launch a whole business around work for you going into companies. Brilliant. But when she's back from maternity leave. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, kind of sometime in the autumn. Oh, well, I'll do like another hoovering with her. Yeah, well, you really should. Yeah, yeah. I would love that. She can um, give you all the science that I uh, don't have in my Oh, no, but also, but, yeah, but you've got all the psychology behind <laughs> it, really. And then sometimes my environmental desires, I constantly feel like it's quite a tiring emotional balance between trying to eat in or wanting to eat in a way that's healthy, because I do, most, most of the time I do, and wanting to eat in a way that's good for the planet. Mm, and it's not yeah, the, yeah. the advice there feels overwhelmingly conflicting a lot of the time where it's like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. a lot of the stuff where you can get oh I don't know I mean the one thing I'd say about that as well is that I think certainly if you looked at the impact on the planet of you eating avocados or walnuts or all those things that get talked about in that way versus having a very meat heavy diet yeah the chances are the, the meat's going to be much worse in the long run right yeah and so I think you know, often people are moving towards those diets almost as a reaction to giving up meat as well, aren't they? And like yeah. quinoa is another one where yeah. the water um, sort of uh, requirements of, mm-hmm. of, of growing quinoa and then you've got to transport sport it from South America yeah. or whatever to get yeah, here. Yeah, and... You know, they're huge impacts on the planet. So I think it's, it's definitely a conversation that we need to have. Yeah. Um, one of the other things in the book is that... Um, so we talk about uh, potatoes yeah. and potatoes have really gone sort of out of fashion in the last I love years. the tip. Are you going to do the tip? Now here's the thing. What about, about eating them cold? Yes. yes okay. Oh my God, it's the coolest thing I was going to ask if I could give it because, or if it was spoilers. Yeah, no. You, this is so cool. Yeah, you give it. Go on. Um, so potatoes um, have gone really out of fashion because everybody hates carbs now and because they, uh, they are a type of uh, like beige food ultimately that releases a very quick type of sugar into your blood that spikes and then yeah. dips you um, and that will tend to give you I suppose excess energy ultimately yeah but, so what will happen is you'll get a blood sugar spike yes. by eating it because the uh, potato digests in the stomach and it goes and basically the carbs go straight into your bloodstream so it's very high GI is that yes, right that's yeah right. so what that and that's blood in your yeah. sugar ultimately so if sugar you're diabetic <laughs> yes that's what I meant Ugh, blood in your sugar disgusting <laughs> one way to help with an addiction though strip a yeah. bit of blood in it um <laughs> But and that's especially relevant for people with diabetes or polycystic ovaries or people who have to try and have a low glycemic index diet. Anyway, um, uh, if you have potatoes cooked but then cooled, it doesn't do it. Yeah, same is true of rice as well, um, and quite a few other. And carbs. bread, if you freeze it. Yes, and bread when you freeze it. So what this is is a thing called resistant starch. Um, so what happens is when you when you cool rice or bread or potatoes back down. Yeah. 
um, then what happens is it, it changes its chemical structure and it develops a thing called resistant starch. What resistant starch does is it means that when that food hits the stomach, yeah. the stomach is finding it more difficult to digest it and so it goes into the gut and that's where it gets digested. So then, because it's being digested in the gut, it, it digests much more slowly and you don't get that kind of you know, blood sugar spike of, of, of kind of why we've moved away from potatoes. So right. back to the environmental thing, you know, and I've certainly been, from everything I've read over the last few years, not necessarily avoiding potatoes, but definitely trying to cut down on how many potatoes we, we grow potatoes here. You know, it's yeah. a really low carbon footprint kind of um, thing to be eating. And so like that's saying, a really useful thing. Books, so especially little potatoes that are full of flavour and with yeah. their skins on, all that lovely fibre. Which they're I, lush. Which I just had with my lunch there. Did you? I, I you went did. for little potatoes. Yeah, they were really lovely. Lovely. Yeah. And do you know what? Psycho subconsciously, there'll be a bit of me left over from the noughties that went, down have potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got carbs in your pasta and your lasagna. Yeah, bread's another one, you know, as well. So people have gone really against bread in the last few years, but the same kind of principle. So actually getting a really good loaf of bread seedy kind of bread sourdough kind of bread um, back to the um, food made from plants not food made in plants which is a big thing in the book so beware of the breads that are the sort of high street name breads where they will you know inject a lot of salt and sugar into those breads so there's a little um, a little kind of uh, formula that you can do um, in the book to just kind of look at which breads to get but you know I mean you, it's probably fairly easy to to guess, you know, if you go into like a small bakery where it's all baked on site and, you know, it's it's kind of freshly bought on that day, you probably know that they don't need to put loads of preservatives in that bread yeah. versus the stuff that's kind of sitting on the supermarket shelf for two weeks or whatever. But, you know, getting good breads, again, that's something that we can eat that's a bit more locally sourced and mm -hmm. not flown halfway around the world as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, this is so fascinating. I've loved it. Say scrum diddly umptious. Hello! And then you can be in my podcast. A deadline is looming that's so huge it's taken on the form of a living, breathing, flying fatberg with an enormous, <laughs> scary face like a bat. Uh, it's about to rain stress down all over the whole world, but it's agreed to stop. But only if you, and weirdly it does have to be you, um, hold a plank for two and a half hours. <laughs> it sounds impossible, but you do it. Yeah. You're a hero. Um, you are lauded by the whole of humanity. Um, the deadline goes back to extinction um, dissipates no leftover consequences of it ever having existed everybody thinks you're amazing you go down in history you can do no wrong your main reward though for this is the feast of your dreams I don't actually want um, focus or energy to have anything to do with it or ethics <laughs> or environment or health I just want to know actually what your dream feast would be if nothing mattered if nothing had any consequences what you'd eat, what you'd drink, and if there's a who, with, and where, then a who. With mm, and where. Okay, cool. Um, what I thought back to immediately with this is when I wrote the first book, Productivity Ninja, I was re I was really struggling to write it alongside everything else I was doing. I was growing this company, all the rest of it. So what I did is I booked back to <laughs> this is back to the environmental thing. It's quite bad of me. I booked plane tickets to Sri Lanka. Nice. I went sat, Sri Lanka. I went and sat in a little beach hut. This was only back in 2011, 2012. There was no Wi-Fi. There was, uh, the, my phone from here didn't work there. 
So I bought a little Chinese phone. One of these ones where if you want to text the letter C, you have to press the button three times. You know those? I used to so love when, that. When that is your only mode of communication, you don't communicate much. So I was kind of marooned um, there quite deliberately um, for about five weeks. And um, I just, it was a time where I did a lot of writing. I learned meditation from a Buddhist monk down the road. Um, and I listened to lots of Desert Island Discs, weirdly, because I was looking yeah. out to sea and that was my thing. But where I was staying was this little beach hut and it was um, owned by this really lovely Sri Lankan couple who had just lived on this beautiful land just overlooking the sea. And it had just occurred to them, hey, we could just make a tourist thing out of this. So they yeah. built two huts, one downstairs, one upstairs. And basically, uh, if you wanted to, they would just feed you um, just the same stuff that they were having. So I was eating just, you know, normal Sri Lankan everyday food which for most days was a thing that they called rice and curry, right? But it's not how you would think of rice and curry. So they, they, a little bowl of rice would come out, but then they'd bring out six or seven little, it's almost like, um, like an Indian or Sri Lankan version of tapas, right? Nice, like, lovely. So you've got all these small little pots and stuff. And like in, a tali? Yeah, like, like a tali, but with all these different sort of um, bowls that are all around the table. And, nice. and sometimes I would look at these four or five, five bowls and go, wow, this is too much. I can't eat this. This is like loads. And then she'd bring another three. <laughs> and it'd be like, oh, no, there's more. Um, and it would all just be like absolutely just mind-blowingly delicious. So a lot, a lot of fish dishes, um, mm. a lot of like pickled little mini cucumbers and all these things. But just this beautiful array of like really beautifully spiced food. And it was, after having written all day, it was the thing I look forward to like every evening. And, yeah. you know, and now if I can eat Sri Lankan food, I always do because it just kind of, you know, it sort of takes me oh back a little bit. Oh my God, so food-wise, That would definitely know. be the one. I would love to go there so much. You've really sold it there. That the breakfast amazing. as well. They do these things called, things called hoppers, which is sort of, um, they're kind of like these kind of wheaty, um, sort of like fluffy japati things. Mm. And then they do ones where they sort of insert stuff into it. So you get these coconut hoppers Ooh. and you have them for breakfast with, you know, lovely Sri Lankan tea and stuff. Oh, and it's just wow. like absolutely beautiful. They Yeah, they really know how to do food. They really um, know how to eat. And I, I've been back once since as well. Um, and... I remember just getting on the plane and being like, yeah, hoppers tomorrow morning. This is good. Oh, <laughs> <It's> good. yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. It was really good. So that would definitely be the thing. Uh, what would be my drink and my place and stuff like that? Um, it would probably be with my little boy, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, he's five and super cute. And, yeah. Um, uh, he, yeah, he, that would definitely be the who I'd be with. Love. And then, um, well, I mean, we're looking out over the sea in Brighton yeah. right now, so I'd probably say, um, yeah, somewhere near here. It's a really lovely Perfect. place to be. Isn't it gorgeous? Thank you so much. Mmm, delicious. How great was that tip at the end? Also, unless you're someone who might be triggered into disordered eating by reading about the, a philosophy of eating that's quite orderly and organised, which is what um, his book advocates, then there's so much interesting stuff to be taken from this book, Work Fuel, that Graham co-wrote. I found it fascinating and I highly recommend it. 
please come to a live show. I would so love to see you at those, perhaps one of the tour shows or in Edinburgh in August or come to Canterbury on the 18th of July. Follow us. We're on social media at The Hoovering Pod. I'm all over social media at Jessica Foster Q. Want to send me something longer than is possible on social media or have a look at when uh, all my stand-up gigs are on, my Edinburgh show and all the previews are listed um, as well as all the live shows for the podcast at all on my website, jessicafosterq.com. Thanks again to Graham. What a brilliant and fascinating, clever guest. Huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.